0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another season of Husky Talk. We are starting our fifth season of Husky Talk. This year will be the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod, and we are going to be having our guests share stories of the Iditarod from the last 50 years. Our guest today has been on our show before. She was born and raised in Alaska. She is a former elementary teacher and an author. Her book, Champion of Alaskan Huskies, tells the story of the I founder, Joe Reddington Senior's Life. Please welcome back
1: to the show, Katie Mangelsworth.
2: Perfect. Right. Uh, hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hello, I'm
1: doing great. How are you doing? Good. Good. Good.
2: So who am I speaking to? Uh, it was uh, Eli. Juliana. Uh, Eli and Juliana. Uh, and Brennan.
1: And Brennan. Okay. Very good.
0: With this being the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod, we are going to start off with a little Iditarod trivia. First question. Who founded the Iditarod?
1: Joe Reddington, Sr.
0: Very good. Second question. Who won the very first (laughs) Iditarod?
1: Just a minute. I know his name is. I did I forget? <laughs> Give me a second. Go ahead. What's the next one?
0: <laughs> who was the first female rod champion?
1: Libby Riddle. hmm
0: What was the closest finish?
1: uh, Mackie, uh Joe Mackey, and Rick Swenson.
0: It was Dick Mackey.
1: Or Dick, what did I say? what did I say? You said Joe Mackey. Oh, it's yes, of course it's Dick Mackey. <laughs> okay.
0: Who was the oldest person to ever finish the Iditarod?
1: Norman Vaughn.
0: Yep. Okay, back to the second question. Who won the very first Iditarod?
1: You don't have to ask me that a little bit later, because okay. <laughs> I still haven't come up with it.
0: All right, so let's find out about you. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I grew up in Alaska, and I caught out in the bush, was a principal teacher, and because of... Um, my teaching experience, I saw a need for books for the um, children I was teaching, and started writing books about the Athabascan culture, which led to another book that has to do with vocabulary. And then the kids needed—I I always had the children um, read biographies. I was a sixth-grade teacher, and. They didn't like biography, so I was trying to figure out um, who they could identify with. And at that time, Joe Reddington was the first man that came to my mind. And surprisingly, the race had been going on for a long time, but no one had um, no one had written any book about him. So I called him up and I asked him if I could write his biography, and that's how Joe's story got started. But it took uh, 14 years because I was teaching and building a house <laughs> and doing all sorts of other things. But I, I remembered uh, Joe's story about going to uh, up to the top of Mount McKinley. And everyone said, "Well, really it can't be done." And it took him up ten years before he could get his dog to the summit of the McKinley. And I thought, if Joe can stick with it for that long, then I can stick with this book and get it out. And I knew that it was really an important um, story to be written about. So <laughs> I, uh, in 2011, I finished. Um, I finished the book. <laughs> so it took a while, but we made it.
0: What got you into teaching?
1: My principal, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, um, it was a state-operated school here in Alaska, and he needed substitute teachers. And from the solution, crossed to the office, please... He- Cross had me back. subbing in all the grades, first grade through eighth grade, um, for two years. That's cool. And then he called me into his office and said, All right, Katie, uh, you're going to be, um, a teacher when you graduate. And this is the college you should go to. And because you're going to make, uh, you're going to have fun teaching. And... By golly, that's what I ended up doing. Yes. Ah, I know, I've just been heard. Dick Wilmar? <laughs> Wilmar? Yes. Wilmar? That's right.
0: Yes, that's right. So, um. I knew it would come. <laughs> five five out, You got five out of five.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. One was very, very small, but it was in there. <laughs>
2: Um, so we've, uh, done a little research and know your book titled Champion of Alaskan Husky is about Joe Runnington Sr. Why did you choose Joe Runnington to write about?
1: I chose Joe because
2: there was a man
1: who did something that everyone thought was impossible. He had gumption. Um, he just never quit. There's a, a quote in the book, actually when he went Mount McKinley, that that I love. It's by a woman in the who lived in the eighteen late eighteen mid to late eighteen hundreds, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, and she said, The devotion of thought to an honest achievement makes that achievement possible. And Joe was devoted to um, the Alaskan Husky, and the history um, in Alaska. And I knew that, and I thought, this is something our kids need to think up. And he certainly had a lot of adventures. And I remember as, uh, talking about the all the adventures before Joe started to be uh, around the kitchen table, Daddy would say, well, that Joe Reddington, you know what he is doing now? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, he was quite a character, and he trusted dogs, he trusted what he was doing, um, and he was just a hard worker, and I uh, thought he had read someone with all kinds of qualities. Oh, and, I have to include this because Joe told me when um, I talk to anybody about his story, a particularly kids, he said, I want you to tell them never to give in to theater. He said, Tell them to stop. Think about uh, what they can do to get themselves out of that situation um, or tell someone. And when it's all over, go home sit down, have a cup of hot cocoa, and then be afraid. But don't be afraid in the moment, or you can't find a solution. And that was one thing uh, with all Joe's experiences. There were a lot of things that were really scary. He never gave in fear, fear, until after everything was over. I just, I, and then I, he would often tell me, man, that was really, I don't know how I got out of that one. <laughs> But that's an important thing to remember, not to give into fear.
0: We are going to circle back to Joe starting the Iditarod. First, tell us about Joe and his trip to the top of Denali with his dogs.
1: Oh, okay, well, Joe, um, for years, people have been telling Joe that dogs were capable of doing these Alaskan huskies that he had, that he got, um, along the Yukon River. He was, um, working for the military. Um, they were tough, and they could go anywhere. And then he would make the comment, even to the top of Mount McKinley. well, mountain, it's called the Mount right now. now. Um, and people said, Joe, you're crazy. Dogs can't go to that and a out of the beach. And he said, I know they can. And the vets said, no. Well, finally he got tired of people saying, no, the dogs can't do something. He said, well, I'm going to prove it. And he met, out of this fish camp on the Sitton River, he met a man named Ray Janay. He was a mountain guy on Denali, a very famous fellow, a... Uh, how they met out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it it just happened. And he needed to ride across the inlet. So Joe said, Okay, I'll take you there. And so they hopped in their boat just uh, post and took in the inchories and on the way over there they got they were talking and having a great time and Joe got this idea and said, Hey, Ray, would you help me or guide me up Mount? McKinley, or Mount, he said Mount McKinley, not Um And Jay um, um, and he said, "Sure, I can do that." Well, every year, Janae had too many paying customers, and Joe didn't get to go. Finally, after ten years, he said, "I am going up to the summit of Mount McKinley, and this year, and I'm nothing's going to stop me." He got, uh, and uh, uh, Susan was he was teaching Susan about dogs. And uh, she was his dog handler. And since Joe's wife wouldn't go up, (laughs) um, Joe asked Susan if she would go up with him. And, of course, Susan was very adventurous, and she said, sure, I'll go up. And in 1979, they took off and got up to Ray Janae's cabin, and Janae said, sorry, Joe, I can't take you up this year. Uh, too Too many people on the mountain. And Joe said, that's okay, I'm going to be the leader of this expedition, and I'm going to go up. And Janae said, well... I wouldn't tell anyone this, but Joe, I know how tough you are. You follow my instructions and we'll get you to the top. But only one man that could do that, Janae said, and that was Joe. And so Joe led this expedition to the summit of McKinley. Um, there were people helping him along the way, and Janae had made sure that there were wands in the glaciers and, and so they would stay away from the crevasses. And you know that story is in the book. is We'll give you all the details, but it was quite a trip. But it was his sticktoitiveness, his gumption, that got him to the top.
0: Can you tell us the story of Joe starting the Iditarod?
1: Sure. Um, He was. um, He had. He was in the Aurora Dog Mushers uh, Association. Um, He was uh, one of the founders of that. And there was a race in Whittle every year, and he was taking his kids into this race. And at the same time, there was a woman who had recently moved to Alaska and who had a great um, love of history, just like Joe, and her name was Dorothy Page, and she had been because Alaska's bicentennial was coming up. She wanted, um, or not bicentennial. Uh, it's the centennial, the hundredth birthday of Alaska's, um, Alaska's purchase from Russia, and she wanted to run a race on part of the Iditarod, but nobody knew where the Iditarod was, the Iditarod Trail. And then somebody said, well, talk to Joe Reddington. He knows where it is. He's already uh, found part of that old trail. So she went to this little winter carnival and talked to Joe, and because Joe had been trying for years, since the 50s, uh, to get some notice of the Diderot Trail as a national historic trail. Um, This was a prime opportunity for him to do two things. Um, Get his trail down in the history books and prove what Alaskan Huskies can do. And that was the beginning. Now that race was in nineteen sixty seven and it only lasted a year. The next year there wasn't enough snow. The next year they tried, but there were only a few people that signed up, and so that race just never continued. But it never stopped in Joe's mind. And the more he thought about it and the more he um, would discover more of the Iditarod Trail, he thought, you know, there's got to be a way to get this out in the public eye. And so he said, let's have a, a new race. Um, and that he said, let's do a race in, in 1973, a few years away, um, and go to Iditarod. And nobody knew what Iditarod was, so... Somebody said, well, everybody knows where Nome is. And then Bill said, perfect. Yeah, yes, they do. Let's go to Nome. And then they said, well, how far is that? They didn't know how far it was. We could clear across Alaska. Well, we know it's over 1,000 miles, and we know Alaska is the 49th state. So let's say it's 1,049 miles. The incredible thing about this, I think, is um, people were, there were a lot of naysayers and and people were writing things in the newspaper trying, you know, just saying how crazy Joe was, but he he didn't get into that and he had connections with the Army because of, of his work with the Army rescuing people and downed aircraft in Alaska. And he talked to a general, Gettys about his helping out to build this trail to Knoll. <laughs> and so the Army did And under the guise of uh, a cold weather maneuver. <laughs> and they got a trail sort of set in. But then it was four months before the race was to start. And they still didn't have everything in place. And in four months' time, essentially, they put together this race. And it was two school teachers that really made this happen with Joe. They called um, Tom Johnson and the little Hike. They called Joe and said, "Joe, do you really think we can get?" To know, and Joe said yes. The dog can get you to know. Now the mushers may have a little difficulty, but the dogs will get you to know. And then they said, "But how are we going to raise that fifty thousand dollar purse you talked about?" And Joe said, "I'm working on that." Well, what ended up happening was Joe couldn't raise first race because. He still did not have the $50,000 for the first. But in that four months' time, his friend, General Geddes, put together another, they called it this time, extreme Arctic maneuvers, and they used these um, double-track alpine snow machines. They had 10 of them. And they set the trail, and the race was on. (laughs) Um, Joe was flying up and down the trail, uh, seeing if people needed anything, um, and trying to make everything run smoothly, as well as raise the money. And he was able to find uh, a businessman and a banker who uh, supported this person, except for a couple thousand dollars. And when the race ended, um, they were a couple thousand dollars short. Well, one school teacher from Seward, Dan Seedy, who was also instrumental in helping get this race started from Seward, he would come up from Seward. um, Joe went to him and said, say, Dan, you're the only one that's working, uh, and you came in third place. Can we meet can we borrow some of your winning money? I'll pay you back so that we can pay everybody. And Dan said sure. A <laughs> third teacher was part of making this uh, first I did on a success. There's so much more in there. I probably gave you too much, but <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: That's a pretty neat story. He would probably be proud of the race today.
1: You know, I, I really think so. Oh, I just thought of another funny story that you might get get, get a kick out. Joe's son, Raimi was uh, racing Joe's dog, and his dentures broke, and so <laughs> Raimi was having to He'd cook up the dog food for the
0: dogs,
1: and then that's what he would eat. And Joe found out about it and went and got him another pair of dentures and mm-hmm. stuck it in some dog food and dropped the dog food down the rainy so
2: that he could have some and eat regular food. <laughs> <laughs> Many people think that Diderot started to honor the ceremony. This is a myth. Why do you think this myth continues to spread it around
1: well um it started it started with a reporter and this is that's a really good question because we really have to watch what we are listening to today and check our facts people aren't checking facts and they're believing what anybody says and that's how that dismiss started a reporter reported on um, the Iditarod, and she um, she knew that Leonard Seppala was an honorary musher. Now Joe wanted him represented because to the dog mushers um, he was the um, ideal dog musher in Alaska. He won so many different dog races. And um, so he was an honorary musher in the centennial race, as well as uh, the first idea. And actually, I think it was the, I think it was 10, the first ten races. The first musher was recognized uh, as um, Leonard Seplak, and Leonard was going to come up, but for the first race, but he passed away just before that and his wife had his ashes spread in connect on the Agnodarot Trail. But because of Leonard Seppler's name, there was this assumption, oh, then Joe got the uh, idea from Leonard Seppler because Leonard Seppler was, uh, ran the longest distance on this run to race, uh, to Nome. And, um Uh, she didn't check the text. Now, the first time that came out, Joe Reddington drove all the way into Anchorage from Connect, from uh, uh, Flathorn Lake. He had to go um, a long way uh, to get there to try and correct that misinformation, but he never could. Uh, the next year, someone took the information from his first reporter, Pat it in with the serum run to no, and it spread. And nobody checked the facts, despite those efforts to try and make the, the corrections. So um, that's how the myth got started. And then, of course, you have the movie Balco, and that has misinformation based on the misinformation from that first report. It just grows out of control
2: if we don't check Mm -hmm. our information. So be alert, kid. Um, Our final segment of the show is a segment where we are bringing back from our first season. It is called Mushroom Mount Rushmore. If you had to replace the president on Mount Rushmore with faces of the Aditarod, who would they be? Oh, okay. The first two,
1: no question. Joe Reddington, because he's the father of the Iditarod, mm-hmm. and Herbie puck would be the second. Okay. He was, um, uh, maybe you've heard of him, but, but he he got many awards. He was, uh, uh, and was such a good, good man. He and Joe were like brothers, Um and he represented the Alaskan Native people, and I think that's really important. The other two I have thought and thought about, and it's been a really tough, um, I wanted to recognize the volunteers because without volunteers, we yeah. would not have the rod. Norman Vaughn and Dave Olson were the two men. And Norman Vaughn, Uh, volunteered and then worked behind the scenes as a supporter and is still supporting uh, working with the Iditarod but if it weren't for John Norman I don't think we would have the Iditarod today because they had a meeting um, after the race in 1975 so the race had only been on a couple of years and there was simply no money um, the for a lot of different reasons, and so everyone in the in the meeting on the auditorate committee said, "Joe, we just can't. We're just going to have to wait a year." And Joe said, oh, "We can't wait a year. If we wait a year, it will never continue." And then John Norman stepped up and he looked at Joe and he said, "Joe, do you really think we can do this?" And Joe said, "Yes." And Joe, so then John got out his checkbook and he wrote him a check. I have no idea what it was, how much it was, but it was enough to say this race is going on and it did go on and continues to this day. That's why John is so important. And Joe Delia, uh, did I say Joe Delia or Dave Olson? Joe Delia was a volunteer at Squetna and helped break trail and was just an incredible individual, wonderful man. And then the other, then the florist, I could not choose, so I have to give you two. One is Allie Zirkle. Oh. She yeah. has get, gotten so many humanitarian, uh, Leonard Seppler humanitarian awards. She takes such good care of her dogs. Not that all the measures really do, but Allie? has a heart of gold, and she doesn't only just take care of the dogs, but all the people that teach. She's an incredible individual. And the other one is Dee Dee Johnroll. She's been racing for so long, such an inspirational individual, and good sport, and humanitarian. I mean, she got the awards also, and I just couldn't be them, too.
0: Thank you so sorry much.
1: about
0: that <laughs> thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your stories with us
1: goodbye well thank you for having me and you guys have a great
2: rest of the school year yep special thanks to katie Mangelsdorf for being on our show today if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review also if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk one at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you have leave a review, we will read it on the show.
0: We would like to also give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song,
2: the I Did a Retro Song,
0: and our outro song, the Ready out the
1: They call this race the I Did Trail. To me, it's Reddington's run. In my heart, it's Reddington's.